Welcome to Dear 20-something. I'm Erica, the host of this podcast, and I'm so excited to have you here. A bit about me, I'm a 20-something social entrepreneur and investor who is navigating the ups and downs of being in my 20s. The Dear 20-something podcast started because we wanted to create a space for ambitious and curious 20-somethings to connect with the successful changemakers they most look up to. While the 20s can be a time full of questions and doubts, we're here to humanize the whole thing. You'll hear from successful trailblazers who will share the highs and lows of their 20s, and you'll also get words of wisdom from some experts who will speak on a certain topic relevant for 20-somethings. And then sometimes it'll just be me on the mic hosting an episode where I share a recent reflection or story from my own life as I too am navigating this wild decade. We're so happy to have you here. Let's get started. Today on this solo episode, I will be sharing all the steps you need to take to launch your podcast and some of my miscellaneous tips to keep in mind. I never planned on starting a podcast and did a lot of research and prep before I even got started. So I'll give you step-by-step recommendations in this episode. So this recording should be all you need to go from idea to execution. I'll also, if you're someone that maybe is listening to this because you're considering starting a podcast and hopefully by the end you want to have answers, I hope I can help you there too. So the first step is learning what podcasting really is for. And again, this is all my understanding of podcasting. Some folks may disagree with me, but what podcasting is, I think podcasting is most clearly a networking tool. And that's what it's been for me. It's an amazing way to meet people who otherwise you wouldn't run into, who otherwise wouldn't give you an hour of their time. And so I think for me, I've seen the biggest reason to do a podcast is the networking. Podcasting is also a way to grow your domain expertise. So I think there's a lot of people that are lawyers, but don't talk about the work that they do. There's a lot of people that are entrepreneurs and founders. They don't talk about the work that they do. If you have a podcast and you pick a very clear domain expertise, a very clear niche, people will know to find you and people will invite you to speaking opportunities, to be part of conferences, all the things. So I would say I think podcasting is a great way to almost like solidify your domain expertise, especially if you have other pretty well-regarded people coming on, talking to you and learning what you do. So as an example, like I work in venture capital, but before that I was working in startups. And so a lot of the people that come onto the show now know what I do. They know my show's about 20-somethings. They know my areas of expertise. So it goes a long way. Another thing podcasting is, is it is a way to build confidence. There's obviously a lot of other things you can do that are less scary that will build confidence. (laughs) Podcasting is a bit of a vulnerable way to do it, but I think it's actually one of the best ways to build confidence because you're forced to be consistent and you're forced to keep going. And I'll talk about the consistency piece later, but I think sometimes with public speaking and sometimes with like one-off things, you're forced to gain confidence, but it's in shorter duration and it's not as long lasting. I think the fact that you have to do a podcast all the time means you have to build up that confidence. That's the only way you're going to get through it. Otherwise you'll quit versus like giving a talk or something. I think you can be confident leading up to it. And then afterwards you can kind of lose those skills. Another thing that podcasting is, is a way to deeply connect with friends and family in your life, as well as other followers. I think I've been pretty surprised at random people in my life that will tell me they listen to the podcast, whether it's like friends from high school or like distant cousins. Sometimes I'll see them in person and they'll tell me they listen. Sometimes they'll shoot me a text after listening to an episode with kind of their takeaways from it and what they thought. And I found that it's like a really, really awesome way for me to stay in touch with people. And I mean, I wish a lot of them had podcasts so I could listen to them. But I found that it's like a really great way for the people in my life to kind of know what I'm up to and 
know what my current interests are. I would also say it's a great way to connect to the people that follow you. Now, obviously, everyone has different degrees of followers and they have different followers on different platforms. I personally think it's been a really great way for me to connect with people that are interested in what I do. And if they listen to multiple podcast episodes and they tell me about it, it goes a really, really long way. And of course, I feel weird because I feel so early in my career that like, why would anyone look at me and want to be like me or want to listen to what I have to say? But I always bring myself back to this like quote that just there's always someone ahead of you and there's always someone behind you. And I think I build this podcast for myself, but also more than anything for the people that are like just behind me. It's like for the me of one year ago, that's who I'm building this podcast for. A couple of things podcasting is not. There's two main things I wanted to get across. The first is that it is not a quick path to making money. It is rarely lucrative. And while there are many podcasts and some of the ones that we all know and love do make good money, it is rarely, rarely lucrative. And the economics of it, like the way that the podcasting industry charges per listen, I personally think it doesn't make sense. It costs a lot, a lot, a lot more money to advertise to less people in other platforms. So I would say it it doesn't make sense to me and you should not do it to make a quick buck. I also think podcasting is not something that you can casually commit to. And you'll hear me say this over and over again, but I do think it's true. You have to be consistent. The biggest reason why people fall off, I've had lots of conversations about this. I've posted on social media to get people's responses. The biggest reason why people don't engage is because their favorite podcasters will like fall off and not come back. Or they'll post maybe like three episodes all in a row and then they'll wait. And I would say that you really shouldn't do it unless you can be consistent. So if it's not something that you can commit to at this stage, if life feels like it's very in flux, if your time is separated out into different ways, some weeks it's busy, some weeks it's light, I would say unless you can really commit to it, I wouldn't do it. Obviously, before you do it, you should define what is the goal of this, like making sure that some of the pros that I've said are things that you're excited about and some of the cons that I've said are things that you're not too concerned about. And I wanted to give just a quick summary on why I started. I had no intentions of ever starting a podcast. I saw Fireside was doing something. I read a tech article that leaked it. And so long story short, it was never in the cards for me. It was one of the best decisions I ever made, but it was not something I planned on doing. But I did start because I wanted to build my network. That was my reason. And I also wanted to spend more time with the Fireside team, which was the team that basically told me from the very beginning, invested in me and said that they would believe in me and I should do it. And so those are the two main reasons. I think you have to figure out what your reasons are and make sure that they align with some of the things that I've shared above. Okay, so these are the few questions that I have, um, things you need to decide before you launch your podcast. So the first is, like I said, can you be consistent? If you can only do it monthly, I think that's fine. Like I think if you launch an episode on like the first Monday of every month, that's really fine. You just have to pick it and stick to it. I think preferred is weekly. Some of the most famous podcasts that do it full-time, podcasters, they do it two or three times a week. So that's a lot to, to jump right out the gate. I think you can build up to that. I started doing it every other week. And then once I was able to bring on an assistant to help me, I then was able to do it weekly. And I've been able to keep up with that weekly cadence. So I would say pick whatever works. Also, you can record like a series of 10 episodes and then just launch them all weekly if you feel like really stressed that you can't stick to it. The second thing you should ask yourself before launching a podcast is, do I want to co-host and what's my format? I think from my understanding, these kind of go hand in hand. So the podcasts that have co-hosts, I found tend to be a lot more casual. Like you kind of feel like you're a fly on the wall. And the best part of the podcast is the dynamic between the two of them. 
I think single hosts, individual hosts, typically it tends to be more interview style. Like this is like, I'm a single solo host. They do more solo episodes. So I would say just figure out if, is there that one person you feel like you can really be vulnerable with that you feel like would be able to commit to it the same way you can? If yes, great. But if not, you can also totally do it on your own. And I would say that there's a lot of very successful podcasters that are solo and that have co-hosts. So whatever you want will work. Podcast length. This is something else you have to ask yourself and decide. So I think the average length is like 43 minutes or something. There's some, like I know Armchair Expert and Tim Ferriss and some of these longer interview ones can be like up to an hour and a half, maybe even two hours. And then I've seen there are some like meditation wellness ones that are 10 to 20 minutes. I think it totally depends on what the format of your show is. I think some people love the shorter ones and it lends itself really nicely to the content. Some people like the longer. I actually have done about like that 45 minute mark for my interview podcast. So they tend to be like 45 to 50 minutes after they're chopped down. And then my solo episodes tend to be like 20 to 30 minutes, but it depends. But that's, I try to stay under 45. The next thing to ask yourself is what will your niche be? So I think this was actually some great advice I got when I, when I started as well. You're not going to be able to reach everyone and not everyone's going to like your podcast. So you should pick a few key categories that you want your ideal listener to be. My podcast has turned out to be a lot of 20-somethings and early 30-somethings. So like that 18 to 34 range is where most of the followers are, most of the listeners are. I also have a very like, professional focused podcast. Like I have a lot of ambitious listeners. They're passionate about personal growth. They're passionate about professional growth. They're passionate about getting a better mindset, growing in all the ways. I don't really talk about a lot of personal topics. I actually do have a dating episode that I believe when this airs, it'll have already come out. So I do sometimes touch on stuff like that, but it's mostly professional. It's mostly about career. And then also my podcast skews very, very female. I think that's the nature, whoever the host is, that's kind of going to be the type of the listener. But I, I'm 90% female, 10% male in terms of my listeners. So I think figuring out who that ideal niche is, you can help build content around it. And then the last thing I would say before you launch your podcast, something you should ask yourself and something you need to figure out is your name. I feel very strongly that the name is really important. A lot of people have had really strong reactions to the name that I selected. I mean, most notably, my show is called Dear 20-something. People have said, but what if I'm a 34-year-old? And they kind of have like a, but what about me? And I'm like, of course you can join. Of course you can join. But it, it already helps to clarify who my audience is. Having me as a female host on the cover, I think also helps to clarify. And then this like Dear 20-something, for me, it felt like it was like having a conversation. I was like penning a note to people that were listening. And so I felt like it lended itself really well. Dear Media is also a pretty well-known podcast network. And I felt like what the content I put together does somewhat align with what they do. And so for many reasons, that name made sense. So I would say that's something that you should spend a lot of time asking yourself. Okay. So let's say after you've asked yourself all these questions, you feel like you have clarity that you want to do this, if nothing else. Now you have to get started. So this is these are my tips for getting started. So I think the first thing is outline everything you want the show to be. So those questions I just mentioned, like format, length, name, niche, all that, put it in like a massive Google Doc or a Notion Doc. And I would maybe, once you put it all in there, I would maybe send it out to some friends and family. That's how I am. I have like my inner circle that everything runs through them. And so I would do that. It's actually funny. The first name that I had for the show was Defining Decade which you may know is a very famous book that was a huge inspiration for me starting this. 
But for trademark reasons and for my own personal branding reasons, my family was like, you really cannot pick the same name as the book. You have got to do something different. And I'm glad I asked them because otherwise I may have gotten into some sort of lawsuit situation or it would not have been good. I wouldn't have had my own brand around it. It would have just been attached to this other person's book. So I would say the first step is outlining it and then sending it to friends and family if you'd like their opinion. Next thing is to make a cover photo. So once you finalize the name, you obviously have to put together the cover art that's going to be in the podcast store. My advice is you should have a designer do this. I think it goes an extremely, extremely long way, especially if it's going to be a podcast you want to be around for a while. If you are have any design skills, maybe you can do it yourself, but I would spend a little bit of money and have a design friend help you. There are so many podcasts I won't even listen to because the cover art's so bad. Even if it has a lot of ratings, even if whatever, I just, it's like, it's the classic don't judge a book by its cover, but like we all do, that's human nature. If the colors don't blend well together, if it looks like it was put together by like a young kid, which honestly, if I were to do it, it would look really bad, then you shouldn't do it. You should have, you should really invest in it. And it's what everyone's going to see when they open the app. So I would spend a bit of money making the cover photo. The next thing you're going to want to do, so let's say outline's done, cover photo's done, you're going to want to record a one-minute trailer. This is going to be like your teaser trailer that's going to be at the top of the podcast platforms. And it should just be who you are introducing yourself and what your show is about. Don't make it overly long. If it ends up being 30 seconds, that's great. I would say one minute or less. And give people a little taste of what they can expect. Hopefully they see the cover photo that looks interesting. They see your background that looks interesting. You want them to hit subscribe and the trailer is the thing that will get them to do that. Next, what you need to do is figure out your distribution platform. So again, this is what worked for me. I wanted everything in one spot. I didn't want to piece anything together myself. I just wanted a platform that was easy and simple that I could just throw everything up together. For me, that platform was Red Circle. I've really, really enjoyed working with them. I have it's not been buggy at all. And so I went to Red Circle. I made an account. And it connects to all the podcast platforms. So imagine you record your trailer. Imagine you record your future episodes. Basically, all you have to do is just upload the cover photo, upload the recording, write a little description, write the episode number, like all the basic stuff. And then you, you just hit publish and it'll send it to Spotify, to Apple, to Amazon, to Google, to all the things. So you don't have to worry about it. And then once you set it up right, every time after that, it just distributes to every platform. So... I've personally loved it. It also has a really easy like ad sponsorship element baked into the platform. So if you do put ads into your platform, it's really easy for you to insert those. And then the last thing, so now that you've done your outline, you've made your cover photo, you've recorded your trailer and you've set everything up on your distribution platform, you're kind of ready to go. I would say before you push your trailer live and before you share with your friends and fam, Record the first three to five episodes, edit them down, upload them, just to familiarize yourself with the process and to know how long it all takes. Some people have more support than others. Some people have assistants, some people have podcast networks, and some people don't. I would say if you're not doing any of the podcast networks and any of the things and you're editing it yourself and doing all the things yourself, definitely, definitely know it's going to take a while and you should plan for it before releasing to the public. All right, so the things to include in every recording. So now that you are about to go record your episodes, this is kind of the structure that I think will work. It's really simple. You don't need anything fancy. You can obviously do more than this, but I think this is like the basics. So you're going to want to start with an intro of your show. So like the first 30 seconds of the podcast recording, I have the Dear 20-something description with music over it. 
I think I took parts of the trailer actually. So it basically just says like, welcome to Dear 20 Something. On this podcast, we do XYZ and my name is Erica and I am XYZ. And so it's just like a quick little grounding people into like welcome and making sure that you have music so that people start to hear the intro music and it's like, oh, it's that podcast. It's just like our favorite TV shows have theme songs. I think every great podcast has a podcast song. So after the Dear 20 Something intro, I then go into the guest bio with music. So then it cuts to, it continues with music and then it cuts to like, today on the show, I'm so excited to welcome X person. This person has done X, Y, Z. And then I go into their bio and the same music continues. So it feels like it all is very seamless. Of course, I re-record the bio for each guest, but that initial intro music and Dear 20-something description stays the same across podcasts. So then you have the first intro, the podcast intro, the guest bio intro, both have music. And then you get into the meat of your recording. And at that point, the music cuts out and then it's just the conversation. Now, some people have more complicated elements. You know best what you want yours to be. Mine is just talking and great editing. So there's not any lulls throughout it. And then you go all the way through the podcast. And at the very end, I have an outro. And the outro is I end my regular recording with thanks so much for coming, like, you know, chat soon. And then it goes, Thank you so much for listening to the Dear 20 Something podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe anywhere you get podcasts and XYZ, whatever. It's the like kind of final 10, 15 seconds of like, you can find us on Instagram at this and on TikTok at this. And that has the same music as the beginning. And so that's like the outro. And then it kind of ends on like a nice note. So it feels like very cohesive. It ends with the same music that it starts with. And that's literally it. Like, I think it's that simple. The only thing that you have to figure out is where to get your music. There's a lot of royalty-free sites. I know Pixabay is one, Ben Sound is one. I use Ben Sound. It's very easy. Like I literally just downloaded it. It's copyright-free, royalty-free, so it's no problem. I just picked the one that sounded the most like me and I felt like was unique. And that's literally it. And so then you can keep the same podcast intro and the same podcast outro every single time. And then all you do is just swap out the guest bio and then obviously the recording is new every time. So that's that. Those those are my tips. Now I'm going to go through just some like miscellaneous things that I kind of wish I knew when I started. And so if you are starting a podcast, I hope you take these seriously because some of these are from my own mistakes that <laughs> I wish someone had told me. So these are just like, what is it? Five or six miscellaneous tips. First is editing. This takes a very long time if you want to do it right. If you want to just have it be free-flowing conversation, all the ums, the ahs, the awkward pauses, the whatever, fine. For me, I really like to have it be actually pretty edited. I was actually an editor in my last life. So you'd think I'd be able to do it quickly. I cannot do it quickly. And so one of the things that I did was I actually started working with a social enterprise called The Wave Podcasting. I'm a huge fan of them. They basically employ, I think it's mostly women, but I'm not sure. It might just be people. But I think it's women in developing countries who have editing chops or are interested in learning editing chops. And they basically train them and teach them, show them how to use the software, and then basically connect them with podcasters. It's an amazing, amazing organization because they pay them way more than a living wage. But for our standards that, you know, it's much cheaper than finding a freelancer in the States. So if you find a great video editor, oftentimes they're $100 plus. And after you start editing episodes all the time, you just, you can't do it yourself. So you have to pay for someone else. And $100 an hour, it sometimes takes between, you know, two to five hours, depending on the episode. That 
really adds up. If you're doing weekly shows, right? Like that is a lot of money. And so I would say the Wave Podcasting is an amazing organization. Carolina, shout out Carolina. She'll hear this when she's editing. She's been our editor for a very long time. She's the best. And so I would recommend using them. If you have any questions on it, you can shoot me a DM as well. I can send you more info, but it's called the Wave Podcasting. That's my editing tip. Find editors before you think you need to and use the Wave. Equipment. So this is the equipment that I use. This microphone, which you can see for those of you that are on video, is a Samson Q2U. It's very easy. It plugs right into the computer. I think it was like 60 bucks. It's like the highest rated one. I think it's what everyone uses. I did a bunch of the research beforehand and this one just kept coming up and it's been amazing. I've had it for a while and I haven't had any issues. If you need an audio interface, so you might see people have these like it almost looks like a little mini box. It's small, but some people are like plugged into a box versus plugged into their computer. That's called an audio interface. And that's actually not really necessary unless you're going to be recording with multiple inputs or you're recording in person. And usually in person, you need multiple inputs. So I would say if you plan on doing all your recordings in person, you want it to all funnel through one audio interface, then you do need one of these. I got the Focusrite Scarlett 2i2. It's bright red. It worked great. I ended up not really needing it past the first couple episodes because everything I record is virtual. I actually just did a live podcast recording recently and we just like each had our own microphones and it was fine. We basically use like two different computers versus one. So you can make it work. But if you need an audio interface, I would say the Focusrite Scarlett 2i2 is a good one. And then headphones, I'm using AirPods. Like it's fine. I don't think you need anything fancy. Other people may disagree. But I think if you just want to do the basics and get started, you need a computer and you need a $60 microphone. Next miscellaneous tip is what platforms to record on. So right now, like some of you are live with me now on Fireside, which is where I host my solo episodes. I think that this is a great platform for solo episodes, especially. I used to do my live interviews on here. I found that for me personally, I really liked having just one-on-one time with my guests and not feeling like there was an audience listening to everything we were saying. Again, a personal preference of mine. So I've decided I host all of my interviews on a platform called Riverside, which is a great platform. It's been fine. There's some customer support issues, which hasn't been the best, but I would say it's the best of the ones that are out there. And I've been using it religiously. And then Fireside obviously is great for solo episodes. Some people, if you're a comedian or if you're a YouTuber or you have like an interactive show, I think Fireside can be great for all. It's just a personal preference for me. I do a combo of Riverside and Fireside. And then if you're listening to this on podcast platforms, I obviously record it on these separate platforms, Riverside and Fireside, and then I distribute it on all podcast platforms. So a lot of people listen to it, obviously, after the fact. Social content. This is something that I actually, no one really told me to do in the beginning, but I think is really important. And a lot of the podcasters I like don't do this, but I think everyone should. Each guest should have their own branded podcast cover photo. I have my podcast cover photo that is at the front of all the things I do. But each individual guest that comes on, I upload a unique image. I think that's really important. It makes them a lot more excited to share that they came on versus just sharing my cover photo. They often want to see their face in our branding. So I would say that's something that it takes a little bit extra time, but always ask for a headshot and always create a custom asset for them. Another miscellaneous tip is recording way in advance. I used to record my episodes like within, honestly, sometimes it would be like within a week of it airing. 
And I was kind of cutting it close every week. And I'm a big planner, if that wasn't obvious with how I structure every episode, like super outlined and planned out. But I used to get so stressed leading up to it because like one time I remember, I won't say who, but I had a guest that like rescheduled like the day of or something, which is totally fair. That happens. But then I was like, oh shit, what do I do for next week's episode? And so that taught me to really get ahead. And now that I have more of a team helping me, I do need to plan ahead so that they can live their lives. Like my assistant's on vacation right now and she needs to be able to plan ahead. So my recommendation is recording at least three months, two to three months in advance before it goes live. It's just the best way to guarantee that you will not fall behind. It's the best way to also really thoughtfully plan out all your content. I try to do my solo episodes a little bit closer to when they're going live just for relevance purposes. But a lot of my interviews, I mean, I'm now doing interviews that I guess, I don't know when this will come out. Maybe this comes out in like October, but I'm doing a lot of interviews now that are coming out in like November and December. Another miscellaneous tip I wanted to share is my thoughts on ads. So I hinted at this a little bit earlier, but the economics are horrible. And (laughs) there's a lot of other paths that you can go down where you can make a lot more money. I believe it's $25 per ad per 1,000 listeners. It's often better to just take no money and just have it be a good experience because the money doesn't doesn't make any sense. It's just so, so small. So there's a world where you can build a longer-term partnership with someone and you have one ad partner for a long time, fine. But I would say, don't think you're going to make money off of ads for a very long time. And even if you do hit those follower thresholds, a lot of people feel like they just skip through the ads anyway and it's kind of annoying. You can't really make that much money from it. So I would say don't even try, honestly. (laughs) And maybe you join a network down the line. Maybe it really blows up and you become in the top 1% of podcasts and you can monetize, but the odds are small and I I wouldn't do it for that reason. I think the other thing that I wish I kind of knew up front, which is fine and I'm willing to do it, but it is a financial commitment. To be able to scale this as I scale my career, I have to delegate a lot of the tasks associated with podcasting. I don't do content creation full-time. I have a full-time job. I have a business on the side and I have the podcast. So I, as I continue to move up in my career, it's the worst use of my time to do all the podcast tasks. I need to find really smart, great people who can help me do them. And that has a financial cost. So just being fully transparent, I have my editor, which I shared with you, who edits every single episode. And then I have my assistant who I will mention a little bit more later, but she does all the descriptions, social content, all the things. And between the two of them, I probably spend like $500 to $600 a month on the podcast, on making it happen. I believe the editing is like $350 a month for four episodes. You can check their website to see. I think that's what it is-ish. And then it's probably a couple hundred bucks that Lily spends just focused on the podcast. So yeah, it might even be a little bit, a little bit more than that. So I would say like, if you want to do this, know that it's going to be a financial cost to build your network and to do all the other things that I mentioned, but it's not, you're not going to break even anytime soon unless you already have tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of listeners. You can be a small micro influencers and still not make any money podcasting, which is what I've seen. A lot of friends definitely have, you know, 50 to 100,000 followers on social media. They're not able to make enough money doing podcasting. So I just like to be really transparent about that. So I wanted to just share, this is like my last section is just my process. And then I'll have like three final words. So this is my process for doing the show from start to finish. I'll also incorporate how I work with my editor and my assistant. Again, this is what works for me. I just want to be super transparent. Take what works for you. First step is scheduling guests. I like to do this part. Sometimes I'll ping friends, 
to give me ideas, but I really like to be the one that's communicating, especially because in the beginning, a lot of these were my contacts and my friends. So I started with messaging a lot of the people that I have spoken to at conferences that I admire. And then now I do a lot of like warm intros or cold emails. Honestly, I have a really great template that I use and love. I'm happy to share it with anyone if you send me a note where I basically explain who I am, what my show is, what the reach is, and why they specifically should come on. You can pay agencies to help you get guests. I actually think that it's not necessary. I think a lot of the times you can find the guests you're most excited about and just tap into their networks. And, you know, also once you get one person on that is really well-known, they can connect you with their friends. They can share it in their networks and you'll get a lot more inbound. I would say like the past 10 guests have all been inbound that I've done and they're all really amazing. So the outbound also does, isn't as important as time goes on. Keeping a clear calendar way far out. This is what I also do to keep track of scheduling all the guests. I have like an outreach list where I have like green is a yes, yellow is a maybe, red is a no. And then I have next to it like a calendar where I like slot people in that are the yeses. So I make sure everything is like filled in week by week. That's what works for me. And then once I schedule it, so let's say a guest says, yep, let's do it. I send a confirmation email with an ask for a headshot in bio, ask for them to review some of the key questions I have, like what the general gist is of the show, any questions that are off limits, big launches that are coming up that they may want me to mention. And then I send over like a calendar invite to lock in the time. And that has a studio link in it, the studio recording link. So that's my process for scheduling guests. Then let's say I scheduled the guest for two weeks out on a Monday. I will then spend about 30 minutes or an hour doing research and just compiling not necessarily questions for them. I used to do questions. Now I just do like generally what their life path was. And I highlight a couple really interesting areas just to kind of like ground me in the conversation. Typically also like to do this within a few days of the interview. So sometimes if I'm really busy, I do have to do it a week in advance. But if I can, I try to do it within one to three days of the interview. So it's really, really fresh. I do online research. I'll try to listen to a podcast they've been on. That's the extent of the prep I do. And then during the show, so I used to literally read off questions. If you go back to some of my early episodes, you will cringe. I cringe, uh, but it's okay. We all start somewhere. And I used to literally like read like, so then what job came next? Okay, like, so what did your mom say? Like, I, that was just what I did. And now that I've gotten a lot more comfortable, I've been doing it for a bit. I, there's a quote Barbara Walters says. She, I think she says something like, ask the first question, then throw the rest out. And like, I really like that philosophy. Like I almost have like my starter question that I ask everyone and then I just throw the rest out and I just see where the conversation takes us. And I would say that's something that I've really leaned into a lot more recently. And I think it's provided for really fruitful conversations. Obviously actively listen while they talk. I think being more comfortable with it being casual, more off the cuff and seeing if they mention something like, and that was the time I got fired. And then I did this. You're like, wait, wait, back it up. You got fired? Versus like having your pre-written script where you like almost skim over some of these things that they mention. Another thing I would say for during the show, just to keep in mind is respecting their time. Don't go over. I've had interviews, specifically one went way over, wasn't cool. It put me in an uncomfortable position because I didn't want to be disrespectful to the interviewer, but like I had other things to do. So I would say like, try to give yourself as much as possible leeway at, at least five minutes so that if they have something scheduled right after, it doesn't leave a bad taste in their mouth. Like that's a really bad reason for them to be upset. It's a really sad thing. Like they could have had a wonderful experience, but then you bled into their next important meeting. So just don't go over. 
Okay, those are my during the show tips. Then after the show tips. So this is what I do. Take it for what you want. This is where my assistant really steps in and helps a lot. This used to take up an insane amount of my time. And now she's really able to do all this. So once it's recorded, she grabs the recorded audio. She sends it to the editor. Again, shout out Carolina. She then creates all the social assets for the podcast and uploads them to like the draft of the podcast. And then we'll like schedule them for social media. She also has to create like the description and like all the details in the red circle listing, which I had mentioned. And then she will schedule it for the same time and the same day every week. So my podcast airs Tuesdays, 5 a.m. Pacific. So she does it every single week, same time. And that's pretty much it. So she handles like all of the logistics after it's like recorded and in like the studio. She will take it from there. The one thing I do after the show is I'm the one that sends a thank you email, follow up. This goes without saying, people give you their time for free. I haven't paid any of my guests to be on. The least you can do is say thank you. I also have done interviews where no one ever thanks me and it like, it just blows my mind. So I think it's, it's an absolute prerequisite. Okay, so that's what I do after the show. And then the day the show goes live, there's a couple things. So the obvious, post on social media, tag the guests, tag their company. That's duh, right? To maximize reach, to get them to repost. I would also then send an email saying very briefly, Hi again, wanted to let you know it went live today. Here are the links if you want to share and here are a couple assets. For me, I found the assets can be like a little bit salesy. So I sometimes just do the links and just say like, check out the socials if you want to reshare. And then the day that show goes live, I always check and make sure the following week's show is ready to publish. So I have an agreement with my assistant. We have at least one week ahead of time. The following week's show is scheduled at a minimum. So that's my process and it's worked out really well so far. So yeah, if you have any questions, let me know. I do have a final three words and then I will let you all go. The first is anxiety. So I really, really struggle with anxiety when I started this show. I'm a relatively confident, like a quiet, confident person. Not that I'm quiet, but I hope I have a quiet confidence. And I had never been so anxious before a show, during a show, after a show. I would get like all blotchy, like, Swedish people may know what I'm talking about. We get like blotchy when we get nervous or if we drink. And so I was just anxious. I was just so anxious and I didn't understand. I think it it might have just been the like live public speaking thing that we all kind of have that fear of, but it was so hard for me to do those first shows. And I would say by the end of like the first, not even the first season, like maybe the first half of the first season, like maybe six months in, I just started to feel real weight lift. And I can't even mark like a specific time. It might've even been a little bit after that, but there wasn't even something that happened. I just got more comfortable. And so I would just say, if you do it and you start it and it feels weird, even like posting content on social media of any kind, like it feels vulnerable, it feels weird. Just know actually it will get better. And so I think that was something that if you were to tell me then I'd be like, oh my God, I can't do this. I can't be this anxious weekly. What are you talking about? But it actually has gotten a lot better and it did take a lot of time. But now it doesn't even phase me. Like, I'm just like, let's chat, what's up? And so I would say that's something that I hope I tell everyone, if you start and you're anxious, know it'll get better. The second thing that I've worked on a lot is authenticity and willing to be vulnerable and sharing bits of my own life. I mean, now I do some solo episodes, which is crazy. I would have never thought when I started that I would do that. And again, in those early interviews, I didn't say anything about myself. I just put it all on the guest. I was like, tell me about you, tell me about you, tell me about you. And I realized, I think a friend had shared with me, like, my favorite podcast, I actually love the, the host. It might be an interview show. Like, I mean, Oprah's an interview show. 
And again, you know, I don't shut up about Oprah, but it's like, but I love Oprah because she has moments where she just puts in a little tidbit or she shares a bit about her life. And so I just kind of had this realization, like, again, around that like six month point, I think, where I was like, I think I need to be like vulnerable and I need to be able to say like, oh yeah, that happened to me too. Or like, oh, you got kicked out of that? I actually got kicked out of that. And just be willing to be more vulnerable and be more authentically me. And that's how people are going to connect with the show. And so I would say that's something to strive for. I'm always trying to be better. I'm always working on being open and sharing. It does not come natural to me, but I would say that's one thing that I've really learned is just being authentic and vulnerable and how important that is if you are creating content. And then my last final word is just if after hearing all of this, you still feel like, I think I may want to do it. You should totally do it. A lot of the times humans have a propensity to talk, 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 and we don't always take action. And so I would say, if you've heard this whole conversation and you feel like, wow, I think I could do this. I would say tonight, take like one small step to make it happen. Maybe it's starting that outline and jotting down some ideas. Maybe it's figuring out your name or shooting a text to a few friends right now. I'm a big believer of like, you know, you can listen to podcasts all you want, but if you don't take any action, it doesn't really mean anything. So if this did resonate, take some action tonight and, you know, start a podcast and then let me know if you do so I can tune in and support. So yeah, that's pretty much it for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to Launching a Podcast 101. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Dear 20-something. If you enjoyed it, you can give us a follow over at Dear 20-something on Instagram or subscribe here or anywhere you get podcasts.